Hi, I'm Paul Marsh, and welcome to the second episode of the AFL Players Association's Captain's Call podcast, a series where I speak to the AFL club captains, male and female, to learn about their differing leadership styles and how they navigate through the many challenges associated with their roles. In this episode, I caught up with Western Bulldogs captain Easton Wood just prior to the season commencing, and I've got to say I love the chat. We touched on some serious football issues, including his role in standing in for Bob Murphy during the 2016 um, Premiership year, only the second Premiership won by the Bulldogs, the relationship that he has with Western Bulldogs coach Luke Beveridge, the work that he does on the AFLPA board, and particularly the leadership he shows around social issues, his views on leadership groups, but we also touched on his love for Star Wars and travel. Easton is a ripping bloke, and I hope you enjoy the chat. Righto, we're here at AFLPA headquarters with uh, the Western Bulldogs' new captain, Easton Wood. Welcome, Easton. Thanks for having me, Marshy. No, mate, it's great to have you. I'm going to start with a bit of your background. So 125 games for the Bulldogs, mm-hmm. premiership captain, best and fairest winner. You've played for Australia. Now you're the captain of the Bulldogs full-time. But a little bit of research I've done, and you entered <laughs> Geelong College on a cricket Geelong scholarship. Geelong Grammar. Geelong Grammar, Grammer, sorry, course, that's yeah. a big mistake by yeah. me. Um, so let me ask you, angry fast bowler, attacking batsman or one of the less exciting options? Oh, uh, angry fast bowler and just came in and tried to bowl absolute heat. Didn't matter where it was going, just as long as it was going down as fast as it could. Yeah, well, it must have been fast because you obviously got the scholarship there and those pipes of yours, I can imagine, they're pretty quick. <laughs> who, who would you say you'd model yourself on as a fast bowler? Um, I was a pretty big um, Dizzy Gillespie fan at that time. Um, I don't know if I, um, I didn't certainly my action wasn't anything like him, but um, yeah, I love to love to bowl, yeah, like him, I guess. So when did footy take over for you? Well, it was like growing. I grew up in Camperdown, down in um, Western Victoria, and it's only a small town of about three thousand people, and really. Um, in a town like that, there's footy in the winter and cricket in the summer. So I've, I've played both ever since I was, um, you know, a young young kid. And um, it was probably just more that in my late teens that cricket, I, I probably enjoyed cricket a little bit more, which yep. some people might be surprised to hear. <laughs> um, but um, I, the element of um, of perfecting your craft and the technical side of cricket, I really enjoyed. And the fact that when you trained, you're always doing... Um, either bowling or batting yeah. um, whereas the footy side of things um, as, a, as a 15 year old trying to get motivated to just run laps in November I um, that really turned me off <laughs> yeah I can imagine that it's not something I'd be particularly keen yeah. on doing I can understand your love for cricket yeah. um, I'm not really sure I need to ask you what your footy highlights been so far so let's just go straight <laughs> there what, what was it like to win an AFL premiership um, totally surreal just just totally surreal um, and I think um, that crystallising moment when the um, when the siren hit, you, like you, you you dream about that at different times, and um, I still was com- caught completely, um, just totally surprised by the moment. And I think what surprised me the most was when when that siren went, and I finally realised, you know, we've, yeah. we've we've actually done it. Yeah. Um, it was the totality of it, and the history, and the finality that. We've we've done it, and they can never take it away from us. Yeah. And that that in that direct moment completely overwhelmed me and caught me by surprise. And did not to do so. I just ugly cried for <laughs> a good ten minutes after that, <laughs> and then celebrated for a few days on Absolutely. tipping. Absolutely, yeah. 
So, I mean, the purpose of the podcast is to talk about um, leadership and your leadership, and you're about to head into your first official year as the Bulldogs captain. Um, you were obviously the, the captain of the premiership team, as we just talked about after Bob Murphy's tragic injury. So I wouldn't mind just continuing to, just to talk about um, the premiership, but from a leadership perspective, how, how incredible from a leadership perspective, and how did you approach taking over that year from you know one of the club's most loved and, and biggest legends? Yeah. Um, I think initially that um, I was really daunted by the prospect. I'm not afraid to say that when when Bob went down and um, we're consoling him, and then when that crystallisation, I realised, oh shit, that means now it's now it's me. Yep. Um, you know, that was really really daunting, um, and mainly for a few for a number of reasons, just around um, Bob's Bob's an incredible leader. Um, and I, I followed him with my my whole heart. And when you, you kind of when you follow someone like that, and you he, he's quite inspirational, um, you kind of you, you never you never think that they're not going to be there. Yeah. Um, and only him not being there on game day, but still, you probably um, I was a bit naive and not thinking that that was ever really going to happen. Um, certainly not to the extent where he'd missed the entire what well, was round three, so missed yeah. the entire season after that. So. Um, when when it when it hit me that yeah it was then me I was probably um, not ready for it in terms of sort of uh, how do I say processing that at that yeah. time so that took a little while but um you know Bob was great um, it's ironic that um yeah he consoled me at, at, at that point when I should be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is probably a little bit later yeah. but he um we're talking about it and he and he just said look mate um. Uh, you know just be you all we can ever do is be you and the boys will follow you to the moon and back and um like that was it was really um it was wonderful to hear f- from him that um he had the confidence that the boys would follow me if i just kept doing um you know i guess what had got me to that position in the first place and um what i always have tried to do um with bob there and emulate one of his great qualities is his ability to be genuine yeah um and you know that's why i followed him so uh you know, uh, what do you call it so willingly yeah because okay. he was always always genuine always honest always um just himself and which gives the people around you permission to be themselves as well yeah so i felt um really free underneath him um and yeah so i try and emulate that um as a leader now i guess brilliant so you i mean you've obviously learned some lessons from the first crack at it and even though i guess you you didn't start the season as captain you certainly ended it and with this historic premiership victory um what what do you reckon the biggest lesson you learned from that first crack at it that's going to help you with with this year now you're the full-time captain yeah it was definitely um as far as apprenticeships go you probably couldn't ask for a better um better way to go about it in terms of having the um the responsibilities on game day but then be able to step back and have bob there for that whole week to support and guide and really take the reins i guess um during the week so i think what i learned um quickly um particularly just because i had the game day role that your best to put your best foot forward as a leader is to still um to show guys the way in terms of you've still got to be able to play um play your best football and emulate um I guess the the team qualities the most you can driving in that in yeah. aspect. So not it's not kicking the goals or taking high marks, but it's being able to contribute. Um, you know, at, at every second of the game, making making good decisions, contribute on offense and defense, and probably doing the stuff that's not as um, we call it not sexy, but <laughs> that gets appreciated and just helps the team. So I learned that um, 
it doesn't matter what you say, but it's always um, actions are still probably the most important um, important thing as a leader. Yeah, right. And so in terms of you know the way you've approached this year, you know how different is it to you know possibly Bob before you and how you had you approached it in 2016. Well, um, now having the reins, I suppose. Um, entirely um my you know on my own without without bob being there and as wonderful as a leader um as bob was um i still have to be able to do it my way and i knew that from the start that if i was just tried to um i guess repeat what what he had done then um you know it wouldn't be doing the doing the boys or the team justice i need yeah. to be able to find my own way to um you know take what bob's qualities were but still be um, still be myself. Um, so, so what is your own way? What What are your philosophies around leadership? And what's your style? Um, I think for me that um, with with the whole thing is that I find the relationship side of thing the most important. Um, so to be able to make genuine relationships and um, connect with guys, um, which is can be difficult with a large amount of numbers on the list. Yeah. Um, and I think the the best way to do that is to be genuine and to be um, to be curious and to try and get to know guys as well as you can um, and for the for the main thing of if you're ever going to give feedback whether that's supportive around what to keep doing or um, some stuff that guys need to work on um, particularly what guys need to work on it's going to be um, you know it's, it, it won't be received very well if you don't have any kind of relationship there um, you know find you know leadership essentially is just being able to influence people and you can't you can't really um, have much influence if you don't have that relationship yeah. first yeah um so i've put a, a fair bit of energy into that and yeah that's what i think is pretty important so, so and that's you know you know it's that's obviously really important how, how have you done that with so many guys on the list and you know probably not a lot of time and you guys are incredibly busy you know particularly from the pre-season period and as a captain you're even busier with all the other commitments that you've got you sit on the aflpa board you know you do a lot of stuff in the community how do you fit all that into your day so you can build it because it's you know it is important but yeah. it's bloody hard isn't it? it it is um and at times you can't do it as well as you'd like um and to be on the point of uh, of being genuine you can't force it either because yep. then it you'll just do yourself harm um, and do the relationship harm so you've just got to take opportunities as they present um, and and really be really look look for those opportunities um, and not, that might be just being at training and um, having a contest with someone um, you haven't had much of a contest with before and talking about it afterwards and following it up or it might be overhearing a conversation about the boys talking about um, what they watched on TV last night and you watch the same thing. So you go in and you join that conversation and you pick yeah. um, and you just try and um, just bond and take those opportunities where they present. And um, as I said about that curiosity about like getting to know people, if the uh, opportunity presents where you can genuinely get to know someone, you know, um, underneath that surface level, um, then those moments are probably golden. Yeah. I mean, some of the I, I've spoken to a few of your current and past teammates about you, and you know, some of the feedback certainly were about the sort of bloke you are, the genuine sort of guy you are, um, that you're authentic and you lead by example, and that you're a risk taker was also one thing that came <laughs> up from one of your ex teammates. I did share with you pre this interview. Talk to me about that. I mean, you're obviously um, you, you're known for your fearless attack on the ball and your high flying, yeah. and apparently you're going to be a forward this year, you told me the other day. So, <laughs> yeah. talk to me about risk taking. Well, um, I think and I, I don't know if that that teammate meant the risk taking <laughs> in this in this instance, but what I would say um, 
what I see as the in the risk taking side of things, and it's probably a few years ago, but I still emulate it now that football clubs are traditionally. Um, when I started, you know, ten years ago, a really uh, a hyper masculine and a hard environment where it was you do hard work and you go home and you don't talk about it, um, you don't show any, you don't show tiredness, you don't show pain, and you don't um, you don't show emotion essentially um, unless it's anger or some yeah. kind of ruthless, ruthless thing like that, and. Um, and that was fine at that time, but I always felt like I was having to pretend a fair bit. Yeah. Um, so in terms of um, taking a risk um, now, I'm quite um, an emotional guy and quite. Um, I think one of my strengths is uh, ability to be empathetic and, and be genuinely caring. Um, and back in the day, that would be perceived as being quite soft yeah <laughs> so my my risk is um is that being is being genuine and yeah. at moments where um you know i want to it for me i see it as appropriate to put an arm around someone and console or care or um show that emotion um i just let that let that fly yeah um, that's great and i think what was what was great and speaking of bob earlier um, he used to do that as well, and that, um, and Bevo, Bevo as well. When he came in, he um, sort of had this freedom of you know, be who you are, and um, I've really latched onto that. And um, you know, it's been so much more. I've been so much freer as a person, being able to being able to do that. But I feel like I've been able to flourish as well, mm. so I can um, you know lean into my strengths, which I mentioned. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's brilliant. It seems as though, you know, there's almost sort of two sets of footy clubs emerging at the moment from where I sit, where there are clubs that are going down this path of, you know, it's okay to be who you are and be vulnerable, and there's still probably some that are old school, and um, you know, everyone's got to be ultra tough, as you said before. I think one of the things I wouldn't mind sort of picking up on the back of that last question is you've. Um, You've been an incredible leader in the social leadership space. You know, you've done a lot of work with us, and you took a, you know, a very strong stance around marriage equality last year. You've taken a very strong stance around gambling. Um, you know, mental health is a big issue that you've been at the forefront of. Like, where does that all come from? And I think, you know, that in many respects, that's true leadership is being able to use your profile to get involved with causes that mean so much to the community. I wouldn't mind understanding a bit of that. Yeah. Um, I've always felt, and, and you hear it um, a lot, that it's particularly when things go wrong that people say, well, um, football is you sh- your role models, whether you like it or not. Um, and I kind of view it as the opinion that um, we're in a real, um, in a very, very fortunate fortunate position to have to have influence and I think that it's a responsibility I feel it as a responsibility that that influence is overwhelmingly positive um, and we have this platform to to have a voice and I feel um, yeah I feel that responsibility to, to be able to use that voice for people or minorities that one don't yeah um, or for um, for issues that I believe in and that I can see us having a better a better society if there is genuine change um now whether that actually happens or not it's another you know that's the that's the challenge um but i've always felt that um you know i'm so privileged to be where i am and that there's um you know i feel that that comes with a that responsibility to you know give if you're going to be a role model be the best one you can be 
Yeah, and look, as you said, I think you know the vast majority of AFL players take that really seriously and try to use their profile, um, you know, for, for, for the betterment. Not as many, not so many are prepared to be as public as what you've been on these issues. And I think it's something that you know we certainly admire. And, and you on your role um, on the AFLPA board. I mean, one of the things you and I have talked about a lot is you you have this view of you know we've got to build from the bottom and we've got to keep. You know, adding value to the guys who are coming into the system and it's not about getting more for the for the top players it's about actually building the base yeah Give us a sense of where that all came from well i think that um in any in any uh, in any structure or any any society that whoever's at the top's always going to get looked after so in the afl's sense that's the star players so the star players are always going to have um you know the the bigger contracts, um, the commercial opportunities and appearance opportunities and that kind of thing. Um, but I feel like um, when you step up into the, for me stepping up into that position on the board, that you're responsible to make the um, to, to have that voice for the entire group. And I feel like if you <laughs> Uh, if you make the base, if the, if the floor comes up, then the the ceiling will naturally go up as well. Yeah. But um, I think if you if the focus is the other way around, that the guys at the bottom can get can get left behind. And every um, we all know that in every society, whoever's at the bottom, they don't have that that strength or the voice or the yeah. leverage or whatever it is. So I've always been um, more inclined to to fight for them because if no one if you know if nobody does, then their voice won't be heard. So you've got you know well-established, articulate, intelligent views on a lot of different issues here. Where does that come from? What's your um, education background, or is this um, you know, sitting around having a coffee with the boys or your oh, girlfriend? What? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I guess um, I think you know, growing up, um, my mother and father are always really, um, really giving people, and um, they really always taught me to be be respectful to. Um, you know, to push myself no matter what field it was in um, and to, you know, to, to help others. Um, and I guess um, since moving to moving to Melbourne and, um, you know, being around more, I guess, like-minded people, um, you know, the city of Melbourne's pretty, um, I guess, progressive compared yep. to other parts of Australia. So um, I've been able to feel really at home here and... Um, you know, find pretty like-minded views, I guess. Yeah, good. So let's, um, you know, you obviously you're relatively new into this leadership journey of being a captain of a footy club. Who do you go to to, to sort of get advice around leadership, um, continuing to develop? Is it the coaches? Is it people outside? Is it a combination? It's it's a combination. Um, when I'm when I probably having you know when I'm doubting my own um, doubting my own opinion which um, doesn't really happen too often but um, it's my brother that I normally go to my brother's a major in the army yeah, heard, um, him, heard him speak on Anzac Day a couple of yeah, years ago very impressed yeah so he um, he's he's a, a fantastic leader um, obviously with his his role in the army he's done a couple of tours of Afghan and um, you know really been in the um, really been in the thick of it and you know that's really playing for keeps yeah. so it's great to um bounce bounce ideas off him um we're vastly different people though he's uh he's <laughs> very very black and white which uh which makes you know 
uh, makes a lot of sense and makes him very effective yeah. in the army. They don't have time to be any concerned about the grey. I'm, I'm, I'm very much about <laughs> the, uh, being in the you know being in the middle and thinking things through and trying to see all different avenues and aspects. Um, whereas he just makes a call and goes yeah. bang. So I think when I'm you know when I'm having any of those 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 doubts and probably getting caught up in the grey a bit too much, he's great for being able to. Um, help me get to where um, you know where I need to get to. Yeah. What about Luke Beveridge? How big an influence has he been on your leadership and your career? Been absolutely huge. I think when when Bevo came in um, and he introduced, or he probably the easiest way to describe it is this story. I reckon uh, round four we went up to. I think it was round four in 2015. We went up to Sydney. Um, we'd won a couple of games and everyone had written us off that we were going to be essentially the wooden spooners that year with what had what had transpired at the end of 2014 and we've gone up to um gone up to sydney to play sydney in sydney it's in the wet um they've always been good yeah uh, particularly in those conditions and no one gave us kind of a chance and if we're honest we probably expected to lose um or i wasn't expecting uh to come home with a win um and you know we went up there and we we won in just great it was just such a, a hard a hard clash um it was like an arm wrestle the entire entire kind of game and we we won um and it was only a couple of points in it as the siren went and we were coming and we were obviously um <laughs> very uh yeah all up and about and we get back into the rooms and Bevo starts to give his, as you do, the, the coach's address after the game and he's walking back and forward in front of the whole group um, and he's being silent, just totally silent and he's pacing back and forth and we're going, buddy, what's going on here? We're, we're, we're kind of thinking, oh, what's, what's, what's he going to come out with? Short, like, I thought he'd be happy, you know, like I thought he'd be up and about. And then he, he, he turns and looks at us and we can see a tear coming down his face and just thinking at that moment it's like he's this bloke's different this bloke's <laughs> he's really different and it was just that bevo was so he was so pleased in that moment that he was so emotional about what he about what he'd seen and the effort that we'd put in that his response was to be overwhelmed by that and yeah. and, and cry and that um i remember at that moment thinking well this is this is so different to what i'm used to but it's what i've been like aching for yeah. in terms of there's a genuine and honest moment that um, there's nothing contrived it's just uh, totally being totally being in that in that moment and I think from there and the freedom that he, he brought in was uh, really changed me and let me grow into you know probably who I um, you know felt most comfortable being um, and even the way that he, um, he approaches the game um, I was a uh, pretty, what do you call it, a um, just sort of focused on being a lockdown defender for yeah. the majority of the start of my career. And um, when he came in, it was kind of like, well, it's easy to defend when you've got the ball. So <laughs> try and get the ball rather than just try and stop him. And um, having that more of an aggressive mindset, you know, just led me to doing things on the field that I probably didn't think I was going to be able to do. And played for Australia later that year, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, really. Um, yeah, it was a yeah, monumental shift. Yeah. So, I mean, I was going to ask you about that. Um, you know, you said that at the end of 2014, the club was a basket case and everyone thought you were going to come last. Two years later, you win a premiership. I mean, how does a club turn itself around so significantly in such a short space of time? Is it, is it down to 
Bevo's approach to it? Or was it the freeing up of all of you? Was it, you know, talk us through how you think it all turned around so quickly. Well, it's a multifaceted thing. So obviously Bevo coming in was the the big driver and the catalyst. Um, but with him, with him coming in and... Um, I think the way he came in and looked at it was rather than coming in with all the answers, he'd come in and have a look at what we've, what he's got in his hand, and and sort of make make the best that he could do with with what he had, um, and that meant embracing the um, you know the uniqueness and diversity within the group and yeah. guys bringing what their strength was rather than being told you've got to play you've got to play this way if you want to be successful or you want to be in this team. Um, that was really really refreshing at that point um and he made us um he got us to all explore so he goes well if you you know um if you see yourself like this why don't you why don't you try this or try this and i went as i said that mentioned about being a um lockdown defender to being that um just trying to mark the ball i just went crazy just trying to (laughs) mark everything that came in and now you're um, a forward yeah (laughs) (laughs) what's gonna happen next um but that was that was a huge a huge shift, and I think, as you mentioned, um, you know, describing it uh, at the end of 2014 as a basket case, um, you know, that was really really painful to be in that at that time, and you know, to see your to see your club and to hear it being described in in those in yeah. those ways, and not that that that, that it was untrue because that was essentially what you know, if we're being frank, was was where it was at. Mm. Um, but Bob, at that point, to put his hand up and say, "I want to be captain. I'm going to lead this place in a better direction. You know, come with me," um, was incredibly uh, comforting. Yeah. At, at that point, it was someone putting up their hand. So, as you said, mentioning basket case, you don't want to be associated with that. Yeah. And here, what Bob was saying, that this is my club. Um, I'm going to make it. Gonna make it better. Get on board. Come with me. Of, um, and we and we're gonna go go in this direction. And that was um, that was wonderful as well. And everybody, you know, just got right behind Bob, and we just all felt on the same page. And that led to um, guys exploring, um, you know, their own their own talent and getting the best out of themselves. And yeah, then 2016 happened. Yeah. Yep, incredible. I don't think anyone will forget that. So I, I wouldn't mind now sort of talking about, um, you know, we've, we've talked a bit about your strengths as a leader. What what are the things you sort of are focusing on improving and how are you going to go about doing that? Um, I think I, I kind of mentioned a little bit before about that, sometimes that indecision. Um, I think at times what I'd like to be better at doing and what I'm working on being better at doing is making a call um straight away and backing that baking backing that instinct um because i can get caught up at times in um trying to think about too many uh i guess too many factors that that come into it whereas um and this is not on the field on the field is a time where there's only time for bang direct um bang direct feedback it's more more off the field um so I've been I've been working on that, and I think since be, becoming captain and realizing that, you know, you've um, it's you at the it's you at the top, then you've got to make you've got to make calls has been really refreshing for me and and made me made me better kind of straight away in that in that area. But that's probably something I'm still yeah going to keep working on. How do you get feedback about how you're going as a leader? Is it the coaches, the players, a bit of everything? Um, it is a bit of everything, but it's it's. 
pretty difficult. Um, I'm interested to hear how, how you get feedback as well as a CEO um, or what you find because it's hard to judge at times yeah. and particularly I found in the pre-season because we're not playing games, we only played our first game on the weekend, we sit down with the group and we think, you know, how are we going? And it's like, well, it's, it's pretty hard. There's no real measuring post at the, at the moment. It's really just a, just a feeling and I think... Um, what I'm what I'm learning to um, to back and to to uh, to read and keep the feelers out for is <laughs> it's the vibe <laughs> it's Marvo it's that it's, yeah it's literally the the vibe but if you can if you can walk into a place and you can get a feeling or a sentiment it's generally pretty pretty close to how things how things are going so mm. if we're if we're in any kind of moment and it feels like there's guys are, are free or, or happy or you know um, intense. You know, training in with with absolute intent. Then um, that's a generally a pretty good sign. And we've kind of just been been going off, been going off that. We feel like um, you know we've been pushing reasonably in the um, you know been pushing in this in the same direction. And yeah. we've been we've had that intent and we've had um, the vibes been the vibes been good. Yeah. So. Um, just to keep fostering that, and any time there's anything outside of it that um, you know could threaten it, or um, there's behaviour that you know slips outside of what will contribute to that, um, contribute to that feeling, we just need to tidy it up and bring them back in and um, keep working forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think maybe even just to answer to answer your question. Yeah. I mean, I guess that I think you've got to create an environment where people have um, no fear of giving your feedback yep. i think that's how you for me is how I, i'll get it on and i think you have typically have trusted people around you who if you create that environment will give it to you and give it to you honestly and then it's how you react to that for me if, if you start to get defensive they'll probably stop giving you that feedback yeah. but if you take it on board and look to improve and work with them i find that's the best way to do it but like similar sort of position i'm sure you know the, the kid on the rookie list who's just coming in and the staff member who's just started here is probably not going to feel that comfortable giving either of us feedback initially but creating it amongst your senior people because if you know if you're not getting that it's very hard to improve and I think if you yeah. if you live by a point of um, okay you've given me that I've done something positive with it and there's no ramifications for the giving the feedback it just it, it, it fosters, fosters that further yeah. feedback and I think that's sort of the way I like to go about it I mean I think you know, you, you, we've both got teams we're leading that we're trying to get to um, to be as successful as we possibly can and if you can get everyone on that same journey I think it's actually not that difficult so um I think you talked before about how you try to make a really genuine connection with you know all the players, and I think that's you know an outstanding way to to attack it. How do you get the best out in you know in your teammates? Um, I think it's recognizing what their what their strengths are. So if um, <laughs> if someone's a, a prankster or a jokester and they like to be loud around the locker room, um, don't ever. You know, cut them down when they're when they're doing that and they're yeah. being free and that kind of thing. No matter if it, you know, it's something that you would cringe at or whatever it would be. If it's just so different to your personality, um, if people are, you know, expressing who they are, I think it's always you know foster that and encourage. Um, as long as it's not detracting from, um, you know, the team or um, you know offending anyone, which it never does. But <laughs> um, like I think you just need to. Yeah, continue to like help encourage people to be be one who they are, and I think if if guys, particularly if they 
if they show any sign of, of growth, um, whether that's they've taken some feedback from the coaches and they've implemented it into action and worked on it, so they're doing some extras outside to be able to see that and be aware of it, but then to reward it and to you know to yeah. keep um, you know fostering that um, that improvement. So if guys are you know putting that effort in to make sure that you're um, aware enough that you can you know keep encouraging that because. Yeah guys it's certainly pretty obvious when guys do the wrong thing so they'll feel um you know they'll 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 you'll have to give that feedback and pull them the other way so they're always getting feedback if they're you know stepping in the wrong direction so it's so much more important if they're stepping in the right direction to keep um you know to keep fostering that that's changed a bit hasn't it in footy over the years i mean i think it, it, it and it's interesting when you sort of take a, a comparison with business i mean you guys review every game every training session that you have um to the nth degree and you know his history probably was that players with all the negatives were getting brought up versus the positives so there's been a shift there but you, you are going to pick them up on you know mistakes that are made how do you go about that because i'd imagine some of the review sessions after a bad game would be pretty brutal yeah they um they can be but our coaches are great um with those review sessions about if it's going to if, if there's going to be something shown in front of the entire group that has to be learning for the entire group yeah. so no one's going to get individually hung out to dry yeah. so if I'm reeling, reeling out a defence and I shank a kick and it goes straight to the opposition and they kick a goal over my head they're not going to put that in the review and say Woody what the hell were you doing here yeah. you've cost us a goal and I don't know what you were thinking and then and move on but that's just a it's a public shaming yeah um and i've i've had a few of those before that weren't too too pleasant so um and there's no learning in that it's just it's just shame and then when you get out onto the field having had that moment you try and avoid that yeah um so you become less likely to take to take risks and on on the football field you have to you have to take risks you have to be willing to look foolish at times if you're really going to go after it yeah um and that's the risk that players take every week they go out on the field because it's performance is a is a difficult thing to produce and 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 back up so Mm. that's the when we talk about risks that's that's certainly one of them but i think um, that's actually a sort of a a stated position that they won't show any footage that doesn't actually um relate to the whole team it's yeah 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 Yeah. so you know you're in a safe environment when that's happening immediately so that's much better but if um if i'm delivering one-on-one feedback to someone that um Oh, let's let's say that they've have been late to training, um, and I need to you know need to tell them that um, you know we can we can one we can't we can't have that. But there's got to be there's there's a way I feel like to go about it. It's not um, an an authorit an authoritarian way of coming from a position like a higher position. You've got to be and talking down to someone. I've always felt that you've got to be on. Um, on the same level with that person and rather than tell them what they've done wrong um, it's to give them you know you've got to give them enough rope that they can make these mistakes but show them the reasons why to motivate them to make the right mistake the, yeah. sorry the right, <laughs> right mistakes, yeah. the right decisions yeah um, and so that would be explaining that um, you know when if, if you're late you know you just you know it, it hurts that with with the group because the, the guys can see that they might question whether or not you're fully in, fully invested, and you don't want any kind of thing where your teammates would ever 
you know you don't want to give them an opportunity or reason to to question that um or it might be the same thing with the with the coaches you don't want them thinking that you're kind of you know, you're half in or half out yeah um and so rather than just come down like a ton of bricks and be like it's not good enough you know you, you're taking the piss i don't know what you're thinking you're you're you know, you should be totally ashamed. You're you're a dickhead, all all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't think that works. Um, so that's, I guess, I think you've always uh, we're probably more of a, a carrot rather than the stick approach, and to be able to give motivation for guys to make the right decisions rather than consequences for making the wrong ones. Yeah. What? How do you handle losing, and how do you turn that into a positive experience? very difficult <laughs> to turn it into any kind of positive experience um it depends on the way so i feel like if you if you lose in the right way there can be a uh, a form of satisfaction albeit empty at, at the end of the day because you haven't succeeded in the i guess this um the mission objective but if you've gone out there and we've we've had um like genuine cohesion we've had a contribution from the entire team um and guys have gone out there and given it a an absolute crack and we've we've played uh, what we feel like is our as our style then um there's not much more you can mm. do with that yeah like it's such a hard game you're gonna and the competition's so talented that you you're gonna lose yeah um so if you can lose if you can if that's the way you're gonna lose then you can be um, you know, there's there's a uh, I, I guess there's there's positives you can take out of those those elements. I think the the losses that are that are quite challenging are when um, you feel like you've uh, I guess not put your best foot not put your best foot forward. Um, that's that's when it can be can be quite can be disappointing. But I, it's it's my um, my job as captain and as a leader to to still to 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 show um an even keel i think when things are going really well um you, you can't get caught up in and get too excited and yep. the same thing when things are going poorly you can't get down in the dumps and and hang your head you've got to be able to show this this consistent approach and consistent attitude um and i, I suppose be a you know exude that strength of you know what it doesn't matter if it's great or if it's bad this is how i'm going to be um and this is going to give us our best chance to continue to to perform at our best so i'd say i've known you for three and a half years and i I see a really even human being you know you're always happy friendly um you know not a moody sort of guy how do you keep yourself that way i'd imagine you like that around the footy club as well um that's a real strength so how do you keep yourself that way for me it's understanding what you what you can and can't control um and I became really relieved <laughs> years ago when I finally re- realised that well I can't can you can't control one what the other team does yeah um, you can't control what people think about you and that's those things are particularly what people think about you that's never going to change but what you can control is the way you present yourself and the way that you view um, view things day to day so I'm a very much a, a glass half full kind of guy so I. No matter what the um, situation is, I'll always aim to to look for the the positive in that situation. But then again, if if there's there are situations where there is no positive, yeah. I'm not going to have any shame or any issue with if it makes me sad. I'm I'm going to be sad. Yeah. And I think in those moments where 
you can be you know if you know if those really challenging times if someone in the family passes or something like that that's a moment to be sad don't try and control anything in that moment yep. that's fine like that's that's healthy you need to you need to get that out but if it's just if i'm driving in the car and someone cuts me off you've cost me maybe two seconds <laughs> i don't own the road i don't i don't care like i'm still safe i'm still in my car i'm still gonna get home come in mate good on you that's fine so don't ever overreact to to those situations where i think people can particularly in cars people can just, <laughs> god they can absolutely lose it um so i think just trying to be more of just yeah be more balanced in that way yeah it's, it's called perspective isn't it yeah the things that matter yeah i might i want to make sure my um all my staff listen to this <laughs> um, i want to talk about leadership groups um you know, they've become obviously a pretty prominent part of the footy clubs in the last decade or so. What's their role and how important are they? My view of what the leadership group is essentially um, responsible for is the is the spirit of the group and driving, um, you know, and showing the guys in the group the, I guess, the, the way forward and the way to what's going to be the best way to behave and the best way to be a, be a successful player and a a successful contributor to the the club as a whole so um you know with our group guys bring you know really different strengths which is which is what's i think a, a great thing about our our, our club yeah. and um i think that you know just as long as you um you're the group's focus is to that they're the essentially the custodians of the entire the team that they're just trying to um you know look after and 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 keep a keep an eye on i guess all the sheep in the flock yeah. and make sure that if anyone's showing any flags um that need help that we help them and if anyone's as i mentioned before showing signs of growth that we reward that growth yeah. um and to just keep um i'm kind of using hand gestures here <laughs> it's not a good idea but uh, how do i say it you know trying to just keep keep that cohesion keep guys in tight um and keep us moving moving forward yeah uh, lots of difficult issues also fall in the leadership groups, don't they? And I think there's been this trend towards you know, disciplining teammates. How do you feel about that? And are you at all concerned about, I guess, the direction that this is all going with the size of fines and suspensions and things that, that leadership groups are now being expected to impose on their fellow teammates? Yeah, look, I am. Um, it's funny you mention this. I'm actually... Uh wanting to have this conversation uh, next week with the with the leadership group um it's of my opinion at this point that um particularly when any if there is an issue that that would involve any kind of sanction in 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 respect to games that, that we wouldn't have any part in that um for a number of reasons um we don't pick the team yeah um and for a bloody good reason <laughs> um because it creates tension um I think there's been moments. I remember reading a while ago when the, was it the Australian captain for the cricket team was a part of the selection board. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that worked out too well when it came down to picking between no. eleven and twelve, and no. it just creates a well. He wants him, and he doesn't want me. Um, but at the same time, and I think they've stepped down since, which is a good move. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so as players, we're shielded from that, from not being. Uh, sorry, as a leadership group, we're shielded from that not being. In, as a part of selection so why on the flip side would we deselect someone yeah. um, from the team as well and I think 
Um, from experience uh, through, through the years at the football club, there has been moments when players have had to deliver that feedback to you know the player who's um, uh, transgressed, and um, the, the, those particular players' relationship has suffered as a yeah. result of um, of that. And if we're thinking about an issue, what we want is a way forward and a way to learn from it and. Um, you know, to be able to to go ahead, and if we're if we're sanctioning someone, and then there's this lingering relationship issue, then that's just going to affect our cohesion as a team, yeah. and that's something, as I mentioned before, the leadership group's whole role is to yeah, spot on, yeah, to be responsible for that cohesion. So I don't think the role is that. I think that's upper management, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's football managers, football directors. Um, Which is probably going against the trend of the industry. And do you, I mean, do you think? Um, and I'm not sure how much you want to buy into this, but we you know we're seeing players. The, you know, the level of fines continue to go up. It's almost to appease the fans and the media that we've just got to keep raising the bar. And every time a player makes a mistake, um, well, the last club fined him X, so we're going to fine him X plus five percent. Do you think that's the trend that's going on? And um, you know, is it, you know, it sounds like you've got a very strong view as to a better way. Yeah, I think the focus should always be um, how do you best get whoever's um, you know made the mistake to to learn from that mistake and and move forward. And if the answer is a fine, which I doubt it will will be, but so there are some instances where you know look, you know you're going to have to cop cop that whack. Um, but that I don't know if that. Um, that really is the most effective way. Um, yeah. Certainly, it's not my opinion that it that it is. Um, I think there's you know better avenues uh, about um, you know helping guys, you know giving them reasons to make better decisions. Yeah. I, I'm a big believer, big believer in that. And with that, you you know there's inherent risk because you're giving enough rope to guys to hang themselves essentially. Yeah. Um, but you know I think guys need error to to grow yeah um that's how we learn and um i think we in the society and the uh, what do you call it the um catastrophizing in the media that they just jump on things so hard and blow things out of proportion that um there's so much pressure on on clubs to make a hard call because a hard call is popular in in the media but it's not effective um but that's just my two cents. Yeah, and I think you're, I mean, for what it's worth, I think you're absolutely on the right page. And this is about trying to, you know, influence long-term behavioural improvement and changes. And, you know, they are. All you guys are young men. And as you said, you, growth comes from making mistakes. That's the reality of it. So I think, you know, for what it's worth, the position you're taking there is a very mature and sensible one. So <laughs> um, that'll be a good conversation, yeah. I'm sure. Um it's probably a sort of bit of a follow-on, but it, uh, it's a bit broader. I mean, how do you balance all the competing interests of the club and the sponsors of the club and the media and the AFL and the AFLPA and your team? Like, it's it's a big industry. It's high profile, and everyone has got different views. How, how do you go about balancing it all? I think um, what I've what I've loved about being a part of the PA and um, you know uh, since being made captain and um, getting later in my career is becoming aware of all those competing interests yeah. and the um you know how they jostle for position or how one affects the other um I was totally oblivious to that for so many yeah. <laughs> for so many years so might have been better that way <laughs> maybe <laughs> ignorance is bliss um but i think uh, from a from a club perspective um 
you see aware now of how hard guys work to or how hard our team works sorry to um to get sponsors on board and and that kind of thing so now i can understand a whole lot more when when there is an issue and the media is whacking us for it why they're so concerned about losing and losing those uh losing those sponsorships and losing that revenue and what that means to then the ability to put money into the football department so i've got a much more i think rounded view of um, an appreciation and an empathy for what how those guys would feel when um, someone stuffs up. Yeah. So um, I don't know if actually being aware of it makes, <laughs> <laughs> makes, it, any makes easier. it any easier. <laughs> but um, it's certainly better, I think, it, you know, I think just being aware of all those different competing interests, it certainly makes, um, for me, just individually as a player, makes my decisions so much easier because yeah. I can see, okay, I don't want to... Um, if I'm going to put my best foot forward as a as a player and as a captain to lead the club, then I need to need to do this. I need to be aware of this. I can't can't mention this. I can't mention that. Um, and it's not a thing about being censored. It's just a thing about this is the reality. Yep. Um, and you know I'm I'm devoted to to my club and uh, that's that's part of the deal. Yep. Um. Oh, I just want to touch on mental health. I know we sort of we I talked about it before in some of the work you're doing, but it's presenting as the biggest issue that's coming through the playing group at the moment. I'm interested in your thoughts on sort of where you see it, and you know what you think the industry should be doing about trying to, um, I suppose, manage the whole area of mental health. Well, um, it's it's come so far, and I'm so glad to see the progress in this area um, and how. I'm proud of what the work the PA has been driving in this in this area because um, I think it was you know their initial work our initial work that got um, got it on the radars of yeah. clubs and that's where we've seen the in, the um, introduction of player development managers and clubs investing in um, players as people and not um, you know just using them to uh, we're not just seeing them as as just players and and as soon as they're done then yep. off, they off they kind of go yep. so. Um, that's been um, a, f- a fantastic shift, but it can still, you know, as as we know, things can always things can always improve. I think the the um, the greater public has a role to play in, um, you know, I guess. I think there's been a great shift in the willingness to, um, I guess, when when people talk about issues to um, to not shut them down or to not um, that whole thing of. You know, if you show emotion, you're weak. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that's shifting, but I still think it's something that particularly young men have have um, challenges with in being vulnerable and um, expressing their feelings, and um, particularly expressing when uh, things are, I think times are bad, or um, you know they might be having uh, emotions or thoughts that they don't quite understand or know how to um, how to deal with. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the community has such a role to play in supporting and fostering an environment to, mm. uh, you know, let it be, what do you call it, uh, yeah, to be a welcoming place to be able to talk about those things. Yeah. And I think the media has a big part to play, yeah, yeah. particularly um, in that. So uh, I don't have any solution to no, no, I <laughs> how think to... It's, how it's, to it's, it's really insightful, though. And yeah. I think... Um, you know, we have come a long way, but there's still a long way to go. Isn't yeah, there? and I think the more um, you know, um, guys can and uh, you know speak openly about what they're going through, um, and you know when they're 
in trouble or when they're um, having a hard time, they put their hand up and say, look, I need, I need yep. help. Um, and the more we can view that as that as real strength, um, I think, you know, the further it will go to um, helping a lot more people. Yep. But I think as well um, with, with young men um, thinking about mental health, that um, we've got a long way to go with, um, you know, probably investing in that area, um, not only when it becomes an issue. Yep. I think guys um, can fall into the trap particularly that um, they don't think it's a thing until something bad goes wrong Mm. um so i think there's a lot of work that can be done in guys and i think this can happen at schools where um or should happen at schools is what i'm trying to say sorry but you know you learn how to do maths you learn how to do geography and all this stuff why aren't we learning how to process emotions why aren't we learning how to process um grief why aren't we learning how to process um disappointment and and embarrassment and um and how to be, you know, how to be happy, and how to, you know, how to be joyful, and what ma- and learn what makes you as an individual happy and joyful. Um, so that's where I think the growth um, can really come from. Yeah, well, that's incredibly insightful. Um, so fast forward now to the end of your career, and I don't mean to do that too. But then, how <laughs> would you like to be remembered as a leader from a leadership perspective? Um, I think the. Um, I think the yardstick is that you leave the place um, in a in a better place than where you than where you started. Yeah. So that there's you've had a genuine impact, and that the the club is um, the club and the group has moved forward with you a part of it. Um, I think that's a a really good a really good measure, and you certainly want to um, yeah overwhelmingly want to have a, a positive influence. Yeah. Um, a positive influence on the place. Yeah. Great. One of the things for me, and, and I want to touch on this with, with all the captains I'm talking to, is that I think the AFL players as a, as a collective are incredibly impressive people, um, and the captains are right at the top of that list. What do you think the business leaders for, of our country could learn from AFL captains? Gee. <laughs> I mean, it's a um, tough question, I yeah. know, because you're not in the business world. But I think, you know, you guys um, are so well prepared and you do so many things to develop yourselves that perhaps yeah. we don't see so much in the business community. Yeah, okay. So. I think um, from what from speaking to my friends and um, my partner about you know I guess jobs in the real world, I think um, something that as AFL players and as all the captains would know, um, we're we're very good at um, taking feedback and you've got a um, a really tough skin. In, yep, definitely. And that's the ability to to take something and remove the emotion from it immediately and just to to take it for what it is and and use it to help you and, and move forward. And I think we're really um, elite at processing that information yeah. and being able to move on from it very quick. Whereas I can, um, yeah, I can certainly imagine that, uh, well, I've been, been told from my friends and that that's just not how things work in the in the corporate world or or that kind of thing. Things can get quite <laughs> personal. Or but you're pretty good at giving feedback too, <laughs> from my perspective. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, God. anything else you'd add into that? Sorry. Anything else you'd add into you know other things that business leaders could you know, could learn? Um, yeah, I well just from from our own experience and own own things that have you know that have worked for us in the in the football club, um, particularly with our with my coach Bevo, that um, 
I, f I feel that we've we've had a great relationship and being able to move forward um, in so many areas. But that's from his ability to to not come from a position of um, it doesn't come like he's so far above us. It always yeah. feels like he's in it next to you and in it in it with you. And when you feel like someone's genuinely invested and next to you and in the trenches with you, then you're going to do everything you can to work together and and fight and try and and try and move forward um so if, if the business leaders in the world could take a thing out of that it'd yeah. be to if they're gonna um if they don't have their office on the uh <laughs> 13th floor whatever yeah. else is on level one yeah um but you know to get into it with their yeah just to be invested with their with their people and don't um just try and remove that hierarchy because anytime you feel like i think when you're below someone it just creates a, a disparity and yeah. um, it's more it's I think I find it's harder to be motivated yeah no that's excellent insight I'm going to um, finish with a few personal questions and then I'm going to give you our little five, fast five right challenge on. here so um, now my intel tells me that you're an avid traveller give us your best few places you've been okay I, I reckon my um, my favourite thing that I've seen that's been human made I suppose uh, was the city of Petra in in Jordan okay um, it's this incredible um, hand sculpted so basically there's these cliffs um, and there's just these incredible carvings into the cliff face and the main one the treasury is 44 meters high wow. um, you think Eddie had the roof is I think 30 meters yeah so it's almost that and a half and when you stand there and this incredibly ornate carving and then you think that it's it's five thousand years old. It just it genuine. It was one of the most genuine jaw drop moments yeah, I've okay. I've ever had. Um, and probably the other place that I was most um, enamoured with was Cuba. Uh, we went there a couple of years ago, and I've never been so fascinated by a place in my entire life. It's genuinely like time travel. Yeah, okay. It's like going back to 1950. Yeah. There's um, 1950 Chevys and Buicks and stuff all driving driving around the street. Some of them battered as hell, um, and you, every time you see one, you, each one of them has a story, and I've never <laughs> been so fascinated by. I just wanted to understand everything um, in the place, and I'd never been to a um, a communist country before, so that was fascinating. Um, everybody there was um, had very very little, but nobody had nothing, and they um, they were so they seemed they were such a vibrant people. They had an ability to be they were just so happy, and I think you know they haven't been able to. They've only in the last couple of years been allowed to travel. So there's a few. This is from the yeah. 50s or 60s, yep. I think. So there's multi generations that have never left the country, which is just unfathomable for me. Um, and just to see, I just love the the human spirit that they, that, you know, um, without having much or you know being able to do too much, they were able to find a way to be happy and be vibrant. It was great. I can see the memories are flooding yeah. back, and um, <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a rush on travel to both of those places. But, oh, I heard a little rumour that you will say that you're a Star Wars nerd. Is there, is there <laughs> any truth to that? <laughs> yeah, it's hard truth. Absolutely love it. <laughs> Absolutely obsessed. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> um, learn a bit about you today, which has yeah. been good. What are you going to do after footy? Have you thought about... I have, and I still don't know. <laughs> be, I think you should be running the country or maybe <laughs> the mental health programs at the AFLPA no. or something like that. Uh, you know what? I actually um, I've, I completed a Bachelor of Sports Science. I don't think I want anything to do with that <laughs> that area. My initial thing was to be a physio uh, when I came out of school, and I don't want to do that anymore. Um, I honestly, at this stage, I don't know. I just want to keep my... Um, 
my options open. I've, I've thought about um, teaching. Um, I think I'd get a fair bit out of teaching high school kids. Uh, I'd, en- I'd enjoy that um, and coaching a, a high school footy team, I think. In terms of coaching anything outside of that, um, I don't have an appetite at all <laughs> for um, because I'm kind of see at this point in my life, I've got this this 10 15 year window whatever it is to uh, maximize this AFL opportunity and there's a lot of um, inherent you know stress and pressure that comes with that and I think um, my appetite for pressure and stress will be severely diminished after that <laughs> so I don't want anything too crazy uh, but also the other thing is that as a to be a successful athlete I've found you have to be there's a level of inherent selfishness that comes yeah. with with being an athlete. You really do think about yourself a lot, and have um, to, don't you? Really? And ha- and you, that, to be successful, you 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 have to, which um, takes its you know to be able to do that. I have the incredible support of my partner. Yeah. Um, and I think what I what I really want to do when I finish is to be able to put her and my hopefully have a family at that you know little family at that stage and put them first and work can be work can be second sounds like a good plan to me right let's finish off with the um the fast five here so firstly captain that you most admire in the afl um can i go someone who's retired or does it have to be current someone who's current well (laughs) you can go someone who's retired as long as it's not one of your ex-teammates okay i was gonna say um Nick Rewalt. Um, I had the pleasure of um, meeting him on the international rules trip I was a part of, um, and he, he just had. Um, I found him incredibly captivating, and um, I really enjoyed my time around him. But um, I think a few of the words, um, and recently, you know, just hearing them again at the at the Madden Medal when he did his yeah. his dear diary. I think his line about. Um, you know, take the emotional risk to be to be great yeah. um, was something that really resonated um, with me from what I've obviously said before. But um, to you know, someone who's you know he's been so so successful and so um, played at such an insanely high level for such yeah. a such a long time and captain his team for 200 games, which is just absolutely insane yeah. um, and just such an incredible achievement. Um, you know, I just you know, I love that line and um, I think it really rings true. Very good. What about the player? And let's go with the current player. The player you most admire in the AFL at the moment. Player I currently most admire. Who do I most admire? Um, Alex Rance is someone I really, um, really love to watch. Um, I think his ability uh, just to influence the game from the back end is something really special. Um, and whether that's marking the ball, he's incredibly. Um, you know, physically gifted in his strengths and being able to compete one-on-one, um, but his ability to read the ball and um, come forward and impact different contests that he, you know, probably has no right being a part of um, <laughs> is, is great. So, yeah, I definitely admire the way he plays. Very good. Now, tough one here. If you weren't playing for Bevo, which coach would you most like to play for? Oh, geez. Um, God, I actually don't really know. I don't actually know too many of the coaches um, that well. Let's, what could I say off the top of my head? Um, oh, it'd be fascinating to, um, you know, to go and uh, to play under Alistair Clarkson. Um, obviously, Bevo's a, uh, from his school of tutelage. Yeah. Um, but, you know, someone who's been so successful over such a long period of time, mm. it'd be, um, you know, it'd be... It'd be really interesting to see 
um, how he goes about it all. He might come and try and grab you now. You said that. <laughs> um, funniest teammate at the Bulldogs. Uh, um, Shane Biggs is uh, is quite hysterical at the footy club, and he is quite um, oh god, he's, he's crazy. It's it he um, he walks around and he'll have these sudden outbursts of just the the loudest um, something that has absolutely no context. He just <laughs> operates on a uh, on a different level. Bob used to call him the uh, the surrealist. Um, he's just yeah operates in a different level, and I just love it. I'm going to ask you a sixth question before I ask you the fifth one. What do you think of Jason Johannesson's dress sense? <laughs> um, what I love is that he, uh, he he goes after it. He really <laughs> he really goes after it. He's got a lot more a lot more courage than I do in that. Yeah, I'm <laughs> in certain that I, I couldn't sure. pull off what he's wearing at the moment. <laughs> Last one. Um, what I know this is your first proper season in charge but you have been in charge for you know obviously the premiership season so what advice would you give to an AFL captain about to embark on his first season in charge um it'd be pretty straightforward it'd just be um absolutely be yourself no matter what um guys won't follow you unless they're unless you're genuine and they believe what you're saying that you'll actually follow yourself um and that um yeah all you can ever be is yourself and it's always going to be enough Great note to finish. Eason Wood, thank you so much for your honesty. Um, incredibly candid and you know, a lot of learnings. For me, sitting here talking to you about leadership, I got a heap out of that. So thanks for, thanks for coming. Good luck for the season. No worries. Thanks, Marcia. Cheers, mate.